Lord, what a beautiful thing service is. What a beautiful thing it is to watch children grow, to watch spiritual infants enter the world. What a beautiful thing it is and what a blessing it is to see the fruits of our labor. Thank you for the joy of this day and help us not to forget it. In Jesus' name, amen. Days like today are beautiful and rare. We only do Sabbath school promotion once a year. It only comes once a year. The rest of the year, there is an army of people who work continuously and hard and in many ways invisibly for the good of our children, for the good of our community. And because these beautiful days like this, where it all becomes public, are so precious and so rare, they're nice to have, but they can't be the only thing that motivates us. See, I've been struggling with this topic since it was assigned, because there is a tension, even within the same speech Jesus gave on this subject. The Sermon on the Mount opens with the Beatitudes. Blessed are they who mourn, so, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the peacemakers, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And that, that implies that there is a blessing to these different conditions that often accompany both service and suffering. It's amazing how often service and suffering go hand in hand, and yet it makes sense because the word passion is not just a word for love, but classically it's a word for suffering. Both service and passion are labors of love. So after the Beatitudes, Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. This Sabbath, we are having one of those days when we are seeing that light, when we are seeing the light of decisions made for Jesus, when we are seeing the light of service that teachers have lovingly and carefully put into our children. But that's not the only thing Jesus teaches about service. At the beginning of chapter 6, and it's in your bulletin. Go ahead and pull out your bulletin. It says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. This is confusing, is it not? In one breath, Jesus says, 
Let your good deeds be seen before men so that they will glorify your Father in heaven. In the next breath, he says, do not let your righteous works be seen by men or you will lose your reward. There is a tension here. And I was really struggling with that this week when I was putting this sermon together. Because both are true. Same story, different version, and all are true. I believe that what is being taught here is that it is not the visibility or invisibility of service per se that makes the difference, but the motivation behind it. The motivation behind it. There are places and times in which publicly serving is a great glory to God. When you give yourself to him publicly in baptism, when we honor those who the rest of the time do invisible service, there is a time for a lamp to be a lamp. But if your motivation is for the applause of other people, if your motivation is to be seen, not to be a lamp that points to the Son of God, you will lose your reward. Serving for the purpose to be seen alienates God. And I think God takes this very personally because he allowed an entire book of the Bible to be included in our Old Testament in which his name is never mentioned, the book of Esther. In the book of Esther, God's hand is clearly at work, clearly at work. None of it would have worked out without divine intervention, and yet God's name is not mentioned once in the whole book because God did what he did not to soak up praise, but because he loved his people and wanted to save them from those who would exterminate them. One of the great gifts and points of the book of Esther is about the hiddenness of God, about how God works through the darkness of chance, as one of my former teachers, Jacques Ducan, said. God works through the darkness of chance. It looks like it's by chance that this or that or the other thing happened, but God's hand was at work. It is no accident that you are here. It is no accident that you have had the life experiences you have had up to this point. God's hand has been working in your life, whether he has been obvious about it or not. Similarly, every Christmas, every Christmas, oh boy, I'm treading on dangerous ground here. I'll put it this way to not spoil it for the kids. Your parents do a lot that they never get credit for at Christmas time. They don't do it to get credit for being good parents. They do it because they love you and they want to make your holidays wonderful. 
They want to see the joy in your face, and that is their blessing. Even though they may never get credit for it. So the text continues. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. So this word hypocrite is all over the Bible, all over the New Testament, but it has a straightforward meaning which makes me wonder why they never actually translate it into its plain meaning. It means actor, performer, performer. A hypocrite is someone who puts on a show, who makes it about them. I was listening to the San Francisco Symphony's concerts for kids with my father one year, towards the end of my high school years, and the San Francisco Symphony had a new conductor who was explaining the parts of the orchestra to the assembled audience of school children. And this guy had the audacity to describe the different parts of the orchestra and then said, now I'm going to tell you about the most important part of the orchestra, the conductor. I could see his musicians looking at each other with eyebrows like, yeah, what does he know? Um, <laughs> if you haven't played in an orchestra or in a band of any kind, let me fill you in on something. Conductors are nice, but not always necessary. It is more important that you have a percussion section that actually knows what they're doing. If your percussion section knows what they're doing, you will be fine. And if you can listen to them. There are quite a few musical groups that do fine without conductors. A conductor is supposed to, above all else, be a servant of the musicians by giving them a visual cue to keep time and find when they come in. A servant, not the most important part of the orchestra, that's the players, a servant of the players who keeps them together, whose reward is in the music coming out together, not in the glory they get when they turn around from the orchestra and bow. And here's the thing. I've been doing a lot of reading in preparation for tonight's Get Connected. It's on self-care. This time of year, a lot of you need it. I need it. And I was reading about happiness, and I discovered something interesting. I discovered something very interesting. Income, income's a blessing, right? No denying that. We need it, we need it to survive, right? What these scientists discovered is that your happiness goes up with income until you hit um, a level of living that allows you to feed and clothe your family, pay the rent, subsistence. It actually does increase your happiness to not have to worry about where your next meal is coming from. It does actually increase your happiness to not be drowning in debt. On the other hand, they also discovered that after you reach that breaking point where you're no longer struggling to stay alive, more money does you no good. No good whatsoever, and the more money you have, 
the less getting even more helps you. I find that absolutely fascinating on a number of levels, but because, because getting credit for things is very similar, because applause is very similar. I knew a young man in college who was looking to study music, and I asked him what he liked about music. He said, I like the applause. I knew then and there that music would not stick with him as a career, because there are hours of work you do as a musician that have nothing to do with the applause. There's the rehearsal, there's picking your selections, there's trying to figure out how to live on a musician's salary. Uh, there is so much more to music than the applause that if the applause is what you're after, it won't be enough. It won't be enough. He did not stay in music. He studied graphic design, and as far as I am as aware, he is happy with that choice to this day. The applause was not enough. If God is not reward enough, sorry, if God is not reward enough, other blessings never will be. I love days like today when I can see some of the fruits of my labor and of the labor of people around me. I love it when I can see very clearly where because I did X, Y happens. But it doesn't always work out that way. It doesn't always work out that way. After all, we only do this once a year. So many times you will do thankless tasks that are works of love and service that no one will see. Some of you even have invisible professions where you're doing a good job if no one notices you. Some of these professions include the work of our wonderful AV team back there. You only notice them when, nothing, when, when something's going wrong. <laughs> Being an AV technician is a thankless task. How about a custodian? We have an amazing custodian at this church. She does an incredible job. And you only know she's here because nothing is wrong. The minute something's wrong, then you're like, where's the custodian? But you notice the quality of her work is how it doesn't draw attention to itself. We have another invisible servant in this church who takes care of the facility. His name is Dave Carson. He's the one who repairs things, who stays on top, stays on top of physical improvements, maintenance, all of those little things that unless you're on the board or on the pastoral staff, you are not aware of because if something's wrong, that's when you notice that it needs to be taken care of. This church is in really good shape. This church is one of the best maintained facilities that I have ever worked at because there are invisible people who do a work of love in keeping it together. 
And they don't do it for the applause. They do it because they love this community. Because it needs to be done. So Jesus continues. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Service is about secretly doing what needs to be done. Service is about doing those thankless tasks because of the love that you have for the people they benefit. I have complicated feelings about this president, but I wholeheartedly agree with a plaque he kept on his desk, Ronald Reagan. He had a plaque on his desk, which in the irony of ironies, no one can figure out who said it first. There's no limit to what a man can do if he doesn't mind who gets the credit for it. There is so much wisdom in that because so much of what the world sees is what you get credit for, right? I read one book that talked about how the flesh complains against service, but it screams against hidden service. We all have natural human needs to feel appreciated, to feel like what we do matters, to feel like people around us care about the effort we put into things. And it's beautiful when that actually happens on days like today. It's beautiful, it's beautiful when that actually happens. But, but, if that is your only motivation for doing works of service, you will be sorely disappointed. But if, if your service comes not from an expectation of what comes to you from out here, but is an overflow from what wells up from in here, that is more powerful than the most well-recognized, Nobel Prize-winning service that anyone ever does. The ability to do works of loving service from the, your heart, which is the wellspring of life, is how you become the sort of person that no hard knocks in life can knock down. Having an internal locus of control, an internal center of control, instead of depending on your environment for affirmation, is one of the best things you can ever do because when it comes from in here, nothing can knock you down. Not so fragile. Your life's work is not threatened by who gets a promotion before you do. The, the things you see around you can no longer knock you down so easily if it comes from in here. If it comes from in here.
If you want to embark on the joy of service, I invite you not to look out for what gets appreciated, but to look inside for what you care about. Look inside for the people and the causes that you care about. And then, and then look outside for what needs to be done. What needs to be done out there? Find a need, fill a need, and rejoice that even though no one sees it but your heavenly Father, you made a difference. You took a stand. You looked at that thing that was bothering you and said, that's not going to continue under my watch even if no one recognizes you for it. If God could do something as incredible as saving the entire Jewish nation under Esther's reign without even taking credit for it, well, who are we to complain about acts of service we do that don't get recognized? Now, at the same time, if you want to be an awesome person who lifts up people who serve, start noticing invisible people. I'm serious. It can be a really fun game to start walking through your life going, I wonder who here hasn't had a smile in a while. The gas station attendant. Your waiter. Your child's school teacher. There are so many invisible people in our society. Take a moment, if you can, to make them visible. To tell them they are seen. To tell them that they are appreciated. When we pray for our food, we thank God for it, but there's also an army of people who are responsible for making it happen. Often we remember the cooks who put it together as well, but even before that, there's an army of people who go into its making. Workers who labor in the fields, factories where things are processed, for better or for worse. Um, if you happen to eat dairy like I do, that is a very labor-intensive business. So much work goes into something as simple as delivering a meal to your plate. Take a moment in your prayers to bless not just the hands that put it together, but the hands that grew it, the hands that planted it, the hands, the hands that went to its cultivation, and the hands that handled it at your grocery store, putting it on shelves so that you could get it easily, making it so that you do not have to do farm labor to earn a living. Even something as simple as a glass of water has a long journey through many human hands. Go through life appreciating the invisible, and you will appreciate your own invisible service all the more. Let's pray. Precious Lord, I thank you so very much for all of the invisible people who went into making today's joyous events happen. I thank you for the publishers who wrote and published Bible studies that were used with the candidates. 
I praise you for those who manufactured the goods that went into making this building a hospitable place for your work to flourish. Lord, I pray that each person here will be inspired to secret service. I pray that each person here will see your tender love and care in the circumstances of their lives. In Jesus' precious name, amen.